This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, episode number 700. Yeah, we made it. On this show, a review of Princess Cruise's brand new Discovery Princess, currently sailing up in Southeast Alaska this summer. It debuted a couple of months ago down in L.A. And by now, I'm sure you've heard that the federal government has dropped the negative COVID test reentry requirement for coming back into the United States. That's good for everyone taking a cruise over the U.S. borders this year. And with that news came a lot of questions. By the way, you're always free to email your questions to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. A few of the questions we received were about travel insurance and quarantines and all of that. So I brought on Dan Skilkin. He is the president. President of TripInsurance.com, and he joins us on the line to help field some of these questions. Hi, Dan. Hey, Doug. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, this is a, a lot of these questions very relevant for what we're going through right now. And the first one, even though the U.S. just lifted its reentry testing requirement, how important is it to still get travel insurance? Well, personally, I think it makes it a lot easier that the majority of com- countries have lifted the negative COVID test requirements to get in, including the U.S. You know, getting back into the U.S. and potentially testing positive for COVID, but not having a whole lot of symptoms created a lot of expense for clients. Fortunately, travel insurance covers the expense if you get stuck and you're not hospitalized and you've got to remain. Um, And it covered hotel and extra food. in uh, the travel delay that was involved. But now that these requirements have been lifted, the thing to think about is that they could come back at any time if another variant breaks out. And we all know that another variant will come. We know this. So travel insurance covers the potential of non-hospitalization of medical travel restrictions, but also it covers you if you get sick. I mean, you could get seriously ill from COVID overseas and need medical coverage or need medical evac. But there are a lot of other reasons why people have bought travel insurance for a very long time, and the smart travelers don't leave home without it. Sterling has our next question. What deadlines should I know about when trying to purchase a travel insurance policy? You can can generally buy a travel insurance plan up until the day before departure. You generally can't buy it on the day of departure, but all the way up to the day before departure. But you're going to get much better coverage the earlier you buy it. For one thing, with the case of hurricanes, you are not covered for any hurricane that is named um, before you buy the plan. So if you see a hurricane is coming at, uh, for your departure point or for one of the, one of the, the uh, places on your cruise, you're not covered if you bought that plan after that hurricane was named. But also, if you buy the plan within 14 to 15 days of making your initial deposit, you're eligible for a lot of the time-critical portions of the plan. A perfect example of this is pre-existing condition waiver, or uh, if you want cancel for any reason coverage in our best policies, you've got to buy the plan within uh, 15 days of making your initial deposit. But if you've missed that time schedule, it's still valuable to buy the insurance as long as you're buying it um, prior to departure. Next question. If I test positive on vacation and get sick, will a policy reimburse me for time lost or just medical help? 
Well, it depends upon the circumstances. And sort of let's break this down because it's a complicated question. Okay, let's make an assumption for a second that you get have a heart attack, God forbid, or you get really violently ill, or you get really hurt on board a cruise ship. And they have to offload you to a port of call that has a hospital. The minute they do that, you've lost the balance of your cruise. You're no longer on the cruise ship. And you may have to be medically evac home. The insurance is going to cover the loss of that portion of your cruise because they consider it a financial loss. Insurance covers financial losses, but they don't cover a horrible vacation. For instance, travel insurance doesn't cover it. If I flew to Hawaii and it rained the whole time I was there, I could never go out to the pool. The travel insurance, you can't file a claim that says my, my vacation sucked. I should file a claim and get my money back because they don't cover that. And so the perfect example of that is where you get locked in your cabin on a cruise ship. I test positive for COVID or I get norovirus, which is common on cruise ships. And so they, they escort me to my cabin and they lock me in and they're delivering me meals. But I'm now, you know, staring at these four walls for the next week or two weeks and the cruise sucks. Though the problem is most of the travel insurance companies say, well, you didn't lose the cruise. You just lose, lost the quality of your cruise because you were locked on board. And so they typically won't pay for the balance of the cruise. They don't consider the cruise lost. So it really depends upon what this looks like. So a great example of where the, we've, we've paid claims, I've seen the, the insurance companies paying claims, is where you show up and the cruise ship's Many of the cruise ships are still requiring you to test negative for COVID, aren't they, Doug? Even though the U.S. is not requiring you to come back in the United States. Yeah, they haven't dropped that yet. Yeah. So you show up for the cruise. You spent the night in a hotel before the cruise. You show up at the cruise ship, and they they give you an antigen test. They give you a home test, and you test positive. Well, as long as a third party has administered the test, as long as the cruise company has administered the test, this, that you haven't done the test yourself or you went to get a PCR test, as long as it was supervised, the insurance company will accept that as a medical reason for cancellation. And you, now they won't let you on the cruise ship. You are covered in that regard for the loss of the cruise, typically. The insurance company will pay, pay the loss of the cruise in that regard and get you home. But if you caught it on board the ship and they locked you in your cabin, yeah, I unfortunately, you know, they, they typically don't cover that. Does that make sense? Yep, totally does. Our final question comes from Michael. We are doing a 14-night crossing on Carnival Celebration in November, London to Miami. Wanted to get insurance like you tell us to, but didn't know what a good option would be for a trip like this. I know we are flying in a few days ahead of time, but was going to use points for the hotel. Not sure if that matters. Any input would be great. Super. Well, first of all, it sounds like a fantastic trip. Um, should be a lot of fun. But my, my first recommendation to all of our customers is that you insure your trip door to door. In other words, from your home back to your home. Don't set up your travel dates for when the cruise departs because then you're not covered in the event that, for instance, what if you have a flight delay and you miss the cruise? Um, so you want to you set up your travel dates from the day you're departing to the day you get home. Um, in this particular case, it's a great idea to to stay in the p- departure port at least one night because that creates for you, we've talked about this, Doug, in, in past segments, that creates, that activates language in the plan 
that the departure port is now a destination. And that's important for a lot of the language with regard to hurricanes and things like that. Mm -hmm. The second is that you should ensure your airfare. And if you're using points for the airfare, ensure whatever taxes that you pay, include that in your trip cost, because that way the airfare was covered. So the insurance company is not just insuring the actual cruise itself. It's also insuring uh, your travel to get to the cruise and making sure that the actual trip is starting from your home. So if you are late, they're going to cover some portion of the cruise. The next is for a long Atlantic crossing like that, I would recommend a plan in our better or best class so that you've got a fair amount of medical evac coverage. Because if they if something happens to you on board that ship and they've got to medically evacuate out, it can cost a lot of money if they're in the middle of the Atlantic to do it. So um, make sure that you've got ample coverage in that regard, and you'll get that in either the better or best plans. What happens in a case with the points, like Michael was saying, when he is using the points to book the room, still on the hook for taxes, what do you actually claim there? Well, first of all, you shouldn't be insuring um, you should not include the value of the points. In other words, you're okay. not going to you're, you're not going to say, well, that if I if I paid for this airline ticket, it would cost three thousand dollars. But because I'm using points, it's not costing any, anything. But I'm going to try to include the three thousand dollar value because the insurance company is not going to pay you for the points. The points don't actually have cash value in their regard, but the taxes that you pay to use them. Now. There is a tricky problem when it comes to credit card points, because credit card points can be used to pay down the cash balance on your credit card statement. So I buy a lot of people will buy a ticket and they use credit card points to pay off that ticket. Um, this is a tricky problem because if the insurance company has evidence that you used points to pay off the ticket, then they consider that you have no cash outlay and therefore won't insure it. But if, for instance, you have a receipt that you actually paid cash using the credit card, and then you use credit card points to pay off something else on your credit card or some other balance on your credit card that's not necessarily associated with the trip, then you could declare what you paid for the, the airline tickets on your credit card because you have a legitimate receipt. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. You paid for the tickets and the, the insurance company doesn't care that you used your points to pay off some other aspect of your credit card balance. But if you're using actual airline miles or actual miles from a hotel, those don't actually have cash value. And so you, you don't insure them and you shouldn't include them in the cost. I also wouldn't recommend including in your cost any hotel that could be canceled with no penalty. The only cost you should include in your trip cost when you buy your travel insurance plan are any costs that are subject to cancellation penalties. Understand. Now, I know when you go to like the hotels.com or Expedia, they try to sell you a policy through them to cover your hotel nights. But if you have a travel insurance policy, am I correct in saying you're all set and you do not need that policy? Yes, I would not buy the insurance supplied by the travel supplier because you're going to get a much better deal when you're buying from a third party and you're going to get much better coverage terms. Yeah. A perfect example is that most of the plans that include cancel for any reason coverage that might come from a cruise company or from a tour company never give you cash back 
they give you a credit on a future cruise or a future travel. Whereas if you're buying travel insurance, if you have a, a cancel for any reason plan, they'll pay you the cash on that cancellation uh, if you're certifying you're not, you're not planning on using the travel credits. Makes sense. Dan, if anyone has any policy questions, where can we reach you? Please email us at support at tripinsurance.com. We answer questions for customers, if, even if they haven't bought from us. A lot of people need help. We're here to help. And anytime you need recommendations on a policy, please contact us at support at tripinsurance.com. President of tripinsurance.com, Dan Skilkin. Dan, thank you so much for fielding these questions today. Have a great summer and a great travel season. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah! Send an email or voice memo to Doug at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Breaking news as it happens. Online and on demand at cruiseradio.net. Matt and his family just returned from a seven-night cruise. It was round-trip Seattle on Princess Cruise's brand-new ship, Discovery Princess. It's spending the summer up there, sailing southeast Alaska. Matt is on the line. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Doug. How about you? Very good, thanks. Happy to have you on here giving us our first review of Discovery Princess. With that said, we'll take a step back and get some pre-cruise thoughts. You're up in, what, Ohio, right? We're in northeastern Ohio. This was our seventh cruise. We usually do something in the Caribbean, uh, Mexico, to kind of ex- either get summer started early or make summer extend a little bit because in northeastern Ohio we have basically only three three nice months out of the, out of the year so. My wife loves the beach, so Alaska was kind of the last thing on on her mind. One of my adult sons and I, we've been wanting to do Alaska for a long time. We had a uh, cruise booked during uh, COVID that got canceled that was going to be on the Sky Princess. My wife was really looking forward to that, so when the Discovery Princess came out, I had found a four-day Alaska sampler cruise on the Discovery Princess, and she was kind of on board with that got to do the brand new Discovery uh, ship. Um, my son and I got to experience Alaska, but then, you know, we, for whatever reason, we weren't able to do that four-day sampler. We took advantage of, of a seven-day cruise, and we've been wanting to see the um, Northwest. So we were kind of able to combine a couple things in the, in the one vacation. That is very cool. So you kind of got the whole thing out of it there. Very nice. You make your way over to Seattle. You did a couple of days pre-cruise time in Seattle. You actually did three days pre-cruise in Seattle. I have to ask you, I mean, Seattle is a beautiful area, a lot of sightseeing and hiking all around the area. But what did you do there for three days? Thursday, we, we landed. We got, we got our bearings straight, got to the hotel, dropped everything off. Um, then we ended up driving out to a, to a waterfall that was about 45 minutes out of, 
out of town, came back, went on, walked around Pike's Place, enjoyed that. Um, always wanted to, to check that out. Um, Saturday, um, or I'm sorry, that was on Thursday, Friday, woke up early, drove out to Mount Rainier, which is only about a two and a half hour drive from Seattle, um, spent the day there and uh, was able to enjoy the beautiful scenery there. We were able, able to get up the mountain, um, did some little bit of hiking in the snow, a little bit of hiking um, where the snow had been melted, um, just enjoying the, the, the beauty of Mount Rainier and then drove back to uh, Seattle and on Thursday, on Friday, we ended up going to uh, Cary Park, which is a little scenic overlook of, of Seattle, gives you a little bit different um, viewpoint of Seattle. And then Saturday, I got to um, be an Uber driver. My, my mom flew in, she got there about noon, got to drive to the airport, pick her up, went to um, Starbucks uh, Reserve, had lunch with with her there. And then my sister flew in from Minneapolis. Uh, she got there about four in the afternoon, went and picked her up and then dropped them off at their air, uh, hotel. And then we got to uh, go back, pick them up, went to Space Needle. And there's, there's so much to do around Seattle. Um, you know, we got to drive around the cruise ports. Um, our, our port was uh, Pier 91 that we uh, took out off out of on Sunday, but drove past um, I think it's Pier 66 there, and just uh, the, the original Starbucks. There's just so much to do and so much to see. Even three days pre-cruise wasn't enough. So you make your way to the cruise pier to embark Discovery Princess. How was the whole embarkation process for y'all? And, of course, Princess, and especially Discovery Princess, really using that medallion app. So how flawless did it make embarkation? The medallion app was it was great. I mean, all the way, all the way through. Um, we, I forget if it was green light or blue light. They, they have different colors of, of what you're able to do. And, and my wife and I and, and, and the kids, we all had like, where we just basically, we got off our Uber. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a hike uh, from the, where they drop you off to the, to the port, we dropped off our luggage with the porters at Seattle. I will give you a heads up. They do require like a, a a fee it's a set fee for for each bag which is which is fine a um, little bit of confusion with with once you get into the cruise port there's ones that don't um, drop off their bags because they don't want to you know pay that uh, mandatory three dollar fee per bag so they can drop off their bags but there's no really signage or at least i didn't see any it was again it was like the second or third cruise of alaska so maybe it's been fixed by now i want to make sure i'm tracking with you here so you were saying that in seattle to drop off your bag with a porter, it's not just a tip, it's a mandatory fee per bag? Yes. Okay. Yes. We got that notification from Princess that it was like $3 per bag. So it was like a concierge service type thing where if you wanted to just check the bag yourself and wait in the line, you could. Exactly. So you make your way on board Discovery Princess, brand new ship, only a few months old at this point. What were your first impressions? Words don't describe how beautiful this ship was. Um, we've never described. Uh, cruised on Princess. It was our first Princess cruise. And the expectations were were well met. Beautiful ship. We've watched videos of, of the sky and some other ships kind of be familiar with it. And just seeing it in person is just phenomenal. I can't remember if we walked in on deck five or deck six, but um, on deck five is, is like an atrium area where they have a wide open space, uh, international cafe and a, a um, I believe it's the, the Seaboard Bar, and it's just 
it's just beautiful with an open uh, atrium up to deck six and seven. Um, and it's, it's by far one of the nicest ships we've been on. We've, we've been on Celebrity, and that was beautiful, but this just was, the beauty was just a, a notch above. Uh, so you make your way to your stateroom. Now, it was you and the family, so how did you all divvy it out? Did you have connecting, across? My wife and I, originally we were playing on this cruise just for her and I and our two adult sons. We decided that, you know, since it's Alaska, her and I usually do a balcony. We did an interior room, one cruise, and we didn't like it, so we tried a balcony and fell in love with a balcony and will probably never do an interior room again. Um but we went with the grand, uh, the mini suite just because of the extra size. Because with being Alaska, we figured um, our two adult boys were in um, an interior room across the hall. We figured on the day we were going to the um, glacier that they would be able to get up early, come into our room. We had plenty of room. Didn't have to worry about that. Like I mentioned, my mom and my sister came. We ended up booking them uh a balcony. Originally, they were thinking that they were getting an interior room, but we surprised my mom with a balcony, and um, she was able, didn't have to move around the ship to, to sit there and see the glacier and to see the, the beauty of uh, Alaska as we went up and down. Yeah. Because, what a great surprise, too. Yeah, it was kind of fun watching watching her. She kind of seen a little bit of daylight. It was like we had the screen, the, the curtain pulled down. She was trying to figure out what that was. And we were like, oh, it's one of those light boards. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, all good. You know, it's kind of, kind of sad that we pulling a trick on my 83 year old mom, but right. you know, it, you know, what did you think of kids. the, the, uh, the stateroom as far as the space, the plugs and everything? Um, USB ports, um, each, um, so on the, uh, on the queen bed, each side had a nightstand with a, with a lamp. Each one of those had one USB port plug and then over, like on, I'll say on the on the desk area, was a um, regular U.S. Uh, um, plug that we bring an adapter for, get a little bit more um, plug uh, ports. And then also there was like two or three USB ports there too, plus your couple European um, plugs that you can use if you have those. Was it an adequate balcony size for you and the family to watch the glaciers? Yeah, so all four of us had plenty of room on the balcony. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no problems there. Um, gotcha. It had, oh, I think, two chairs on it um, in a in a in a table. But like I said, there was there was plenty of room for for all of us to enjoy the glacier and and enjoy just being able to to watch the the mountains as we went from port to port and just you know just enjoying the 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 beauty that, that Alaska has. That is one thing I always tell someone when they ask me uh, a number one tip for an Alaska cruise, and that is to definitely make sure you book a balcony. I agree. I mean, uh, the cost difference is it's more expensive, mm-hmm. but I tell you, what, not having to, to just being able to enjoy anything at any given time. You know, sometimes our cruise, we didn't see as much wildlife. There wasn't as many announcements. Hey, there's whale starboard side, but you know, as maybe on other ones, but just being able to, if you're in your room and you're in, and you're getting ready just to be able to go out on your balcony and, and enjoy that instead of trying to run up, you know, to the Lido deck to, to see it, 
it, it's well worth it. Let's talk about the food on this seven-night cruise, and we'll start in the buffet area at the Horizon Court and go outside from there. So how was the buffet service on this cruise and the quality of the food up there? Um, probably the best buffet food that we've, we've ever enjoyed. Um, the second one, first, first and second would probably be between when we were on the celebrity cruise buffet in this, in on the princess. Um, just amazing. When you walk in, you know, with the days, day and age that we're in, they were encouraging hand, hand washing, uh, hand sanitizer nearby, but, there is so many nooks and crannies of the of the buffet. Um, one spot is a is a pastry area where pastries, of course, and then they also would have a barista back there. You know, if you wanted a cappuccino, if you wanted an espresso or something, you get that made. And one thing that really impressed me with the Princess Buffet was you, you found your seat and and someone would come up to you. One of the wait staff would come up to you and be like, "Do you want coffee?" Do you want water? Sure. You know, and they would go get it and bring it to you, set it down, you know, instead of having to, you know, go to like on other cruises that we've been to, go up to the coffee bar, pour yourself a cup of coffee, come back. They were waiting on you hand and foot. And then with the app, it was, it was great. Using the medallion app in the buffet was, was great because I'm sorry. I, I love to have a bloody Mary on a cruise day or even, you know, with breakfast, pull up the app, order yourself a Bloody Mary, leave your phone by the, by the, on the table. When somebody else is eating, you come back and, you know, somebody had brought you your Bloody Mary because you ordered it off the app. And the medallion app was great. Even in the room when we were sitting there, you know, just enjoying um, the beauty from our, from our balcony, you sit there and you put an order in. If you were feeling like you wanted to have a, a chicken taco, you, you'd order it on the, on the medallion app and room service would bring it. Um, no, no upcharge. The only charge they upcharge they did for the medallion app was if you ordered pizza. If you didn't go up to the, to the pizza shop and get it yourself. I'm really all about the medallion app, Matt. It, the only thing I really, I don't say I don't like about it, but it's the fact that like, if I, I love chai tea lattes. So if I go get a okay. chai latte, I can't tip extra if I want to, because they just scanned you and boom, you're off to the races. That was the one thing that we had too. And there was a couple of wait staff that we were like, you know what? They've taken good care of us the whole time. So we ended up having to, you know, glad I brought cash to be able to do that. Yeah. But yeah, there was a couple of bar stores that were like that down around Crown Grill. Basically, I just had to give them, give them cash because it does not give you that option. Yeah. Liked it that it wasn't always like, hey, aren't you going to tip me? But then the ones that really deserved it and needed to get the extra recognition, you didn't have that option. You you are correct on that. Any uh, poolside eateries catch your appetite? There's a salty dog grill. Um, you know, you get your hamburgers, tacos, pulled pork, uh, hot dogs, fries. We got hot dogs from there a couple times. Got the pulled pork ones. You know, it's it's not guys, but it's adequate. It's delicious. It's good. Um, you know, I ended up making a Chicago dog there had them you know give me everything i needed for that and it was it was good we enjoyed it sliced pizzas up there by the pool and then you also have a couple bars up there too stupid question but what's a chicago dog i'm a native floridian <laughs> chicago dog is uh basically you have a all beef hot dog you put um, some relish uh tomatoes some hot peppers on it you enjoy that with a little bit of mustard get the vegetables in the in the 
on that too, so it's a little bit healthier than just a regular hot dog, which may be like chili sauce. Yeah, yeah, three of the food groups. All right, there you go. <laughs> yeah, very nice. <laughs> Talk about the main dining room then, which this ship actually has three main dining rooms, I guess you call them. And Princess doesn't have set time dining anymore. They're all basically any time. So how was your dining experience? And did you tend to go at a set time every night being from, you know, the, the East Coast and you having the three hour difference? Did that impact your dining at all? Well, again, we had got there three days ahead of time. So we already got kind of used to being on Pacific time. But yes, we did. Um, we all our main dining room experiences was in the Ketchikan um, dining room, and we tended to be there about the same time, about eight o'clock. I like the anytime dining better than the set time. It's kind of nice. We, we went about eight o'clock, never had an issue. It was always basically, I think maybe one night we had to wait maybe five, 10 minutes to, to get our, our table. That was it. With staffing shortages being a global thing and the cruise industry right now is certainly suffering from it. Did you notice any, I don't know, service differences or anything like that because of the staffing issues? I would have to give it the benefit of the doubt that it's because of the staffing issues that some of the things that was lacking and not much, mm-hmm. it was something that when I would sit there and say, Doug, don't go on a princess cruise because it's not sure. worth it. It was one of them things where, you know what? It was top-notch. The service that we got was great. A um, little bit of lapses maybe here and there on waiting on wait times for some things. But, you know, considering that no matter what industry you're in, everybody's looking for, for help. I mean, yeah. you know, go to, a, go to a McDonald's. They have sign-up. Now hiring. You go to Arby's. Now hiring. Everybody's adjusting their hours because of shortage of, of manpower. So, cruise industry is going to be the same thing. So it's kind of like one of them things where, you know what, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt that it's got to be the, the shortage of, of humans being able to do the jobs that they need to do right now. Very true. How are the specialty restaurants on Discovery? Plenty of specialty restaurants on this ship. There's an Italian restaurant. There's a French restaurant. There's Gigi's Pizza, which we did. That's no upcharge at Gigi's. Pizza there was phenomenal. Um, the pizza, I guess it's, it's the same pizza that they serve at Slice up by poolside. But I tell you what, sitting there having it brought to you hot right out of the oven, it's it's unbelievable. Um, you know, the wait staff there was awesome. There was a, a manager that worked there. That she was just doing everything she could. You could kind of tell that they were a little bit short-staffed because she was doing way more than any other restaurant manager that I've ever been on a cruise ship doing. And she just kept that place going and Mm -hmm. the pizza there was phenomenal we did uh crown grill which is their upscale steakhouse delicious meal there wonderful service also the gastro pub is on that ship we didn't really get get any meals there for a little bit of an upcharge but we did get some some drinks there a couple different times but yeah plenty plenty of dining options if you don't like the main dining options there's plenty of other ones but i tell you what I've never been on a ship where, like, I'll, if we didn't have a couple complimentary um, upscale dining, we probably wouldn't even went to uh, the Crown Grill because mm-hmm. we did the Crown Grill on our fourth night, and our first three nights at the main dining room were amazing. So it was just basically taking advantage of some complimentary uh, Crown Grill coupons that we had. Yeah, and even if it wasn't complimentary, like, Princess has the 
uh, least expensive steakhouse experience, I think, at sea at $29. Everyone else is $38 and $42 and $49. Right. It was $29 because I did have to pay for my mom and my sister, mm-hmm. and it was $29. I got to tell you, Matt, uh, Gigi's, that was my go-to spot. After every excursion, I would just line right up to Gigi to get that big margarita pizza. And for, be, for it being included in the price of your cruise, that's, I mean, I would have paid for that. We thought the same thing because, you know what, it had even appetizers, there was salad, there was mm-hmm. stuff you could go with that. Again, the full bar was amazing. And we did the same thing. It was basically got back. The only day we didn't go there after a port day was uh, Juno because we got back on the ship about, Oh, uh, about eight thirty, nine o'clock that night. So we didn't stop there for that. That's the day we went to Crown Grill. Right. So yeah, it was basically that we probably ate there probably four different times during during the cruise and best place to have lunch. Yeah, for sure. How was the entertainment on this seven night cruise? Some of the entertainment, I don't know if it was because of COVID or if it was just the times we were picking for, for, for dinner. Um, I don't some of the shows that was being advertised, that was the one thing I didn't like about the medallion app was I didn't feel it was up to date with the, with the shows and with what was going on as like when we've been on Royal Caribbean and been on with their, with their app. It was like, you go on and it's like, Hey, at this time, this is going on. Um, we didn't see any of the shows. We, we went to the main theater one time for um, deal or no deal during the middle of the day. Um, but that was a that was about it. So we didn't really see any shows, didn't really see that many advertised for the for the main theater. So I don't again I don't know if it was just because they didn't have it or it was just didn't align right with our with our dining times. Um, the, in the aft end of the ship, um, they have on deck seven they have the Vista Lounge where they had some some music shows. And again, those didn't really align with the times that we were planning on dining. Um, like when we would get out of dinner, it was just ending up. So we didn't really get to take advantage of it. Then they had Princess Live, which was an area on Deck 7, where they would do karaoke and uh, some other be, would be the spot to go see trivia. And it seemed like we were always just just sitting down at the end of karaoke or just sitting down at the end of trivia wasn't able to really connect with those things, but that was just a lot of, because on the sea days and on, on the late port days, we were taking advantage of the enclave um, in the, in the spa. Yeah. We spent our time there. Is the dealer, no deal game that you watched, is that a spectator or a participation or both? It's both. Okay. Um, I, I don't gamble. So I didn't buy any, any deal or no deal cards. Mm-hmm. So like what you do is I get, I think it was like, I don't know, $10, $20, you can buy cards, kind of like it would look like a, a bingo card to wear. And then whoever buys the cards, they sit there and they, they figure out who's going to be the two participants for the, for that day. And then those two are the actual participants where they're offered like the game show, a deal. There's, you know, it's like, hey, pick pick which suitcase you think, you know, I think it's $1,000 is the biggest prize. Pitch, pick which suitcase you think is going to have the $1,000 and then, you know, then they pick a couple and they take off the money. And if they pick briefcase number four and you would take off four and whatever that was, if it matched, you can sit there and, you know, they would get prizes. Like, I think, I think like the top prize for the ones that didn't get to be the participants on stage was like maybe like four or $500 off a future cruise. 
I'm not a gambler either, so I don't really know like how that. I don't do bingo or anything either. But let me ask you this then, uh, and you might not even know the answer to this because you don't gamble. But did you walk through the casino at all? Did you notice a smoke smell? Several times, and we were talking about this. That I literally had to ask family members, "Did you see anybody smoking in the in the casino?" Because I didn't smell cigarette smoke. My wife, like when we've gone to Vegas and we have walked through casinos, my wife will sometimes start coughing and start getting like alert, you know, she'll have a reaction to the cigarette smoke. We didn't have that on this. And when we were in areas that was near the casino, we didn't smell cigarette smoke. So one, nobody can really say, yes, I saw somebody smoking or they did not allow it. I I can't assume, I can't believe that they didn't allow smoking on the, on the ship in the casino because everyone I've been on does, Mm -hmm. but that's how good the ventilation system was that we didn't smell it. On this cruise, did they tell you what kind of uh, capacity the ship was at? I think my sister did ask someone, and I guess it was like at 90, 93%. It was was high capacity. They didn't come out and say it, but I tell you what, for for it being as full as it was, there was like really no roadblock, you know, areas. And with the short staff, didn't really seem to wait any longer for drinks or for for food than what we would have expected. Um, It was... It's a beautiful ship, and I I would highly recommend going on it again, and and uh, I probably I probably will at some point. Um, I know I could talk my wife into it. She would she loved the ship. Um, it, it was a beautiful ship. If there was full capacity, you didn't know it while you were on it. Well, speaking of that, in the sea days you had at sea, you said there wasn't much crowd and congestion. So how was the ship otherwise on sea days as far as like choosing the buffet area or trying to get a meal or whatnot? It was fine. Um, one, one sea day, we had to wait maybe 15 minutes at Gigi's. It was the first sea day. We had to wait about 15 minutes to, to be seated. And that was the biggest wait we had on the whole ship was trying to, to find a place to eat. And, that, and you know what? And I'll take that any day. That's not, that's not bad. I'm, you know, if you're, if you're at home before COVID, you go to a restaurant on a Friday night, you're sitting there sometimes 35, 45 minutes before you're seated. So mm-hmm. I'll take on a, on a beautiful ship, happen to just wait 15 minutes to, to be seated. That's, that's fine with me. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about the ports of call you hit on this seven-night cruise. Uh, so you started in Seattle, and you hit Ketchikan first. So what'd you do there? So there, it was it was our wettest day. Um, glad we prepared for all four seasons, uh, packing to go to to go to Alaska. Um, it was about forty-five degrees, rainy. We had pre pre booked through the cruise ship a. Um, uh, backcountry safari and canoe canoe trip. So we did the backcountry jeep and canoe. So basically, got off the ship, met our uh, bus, and they took us to an area. You know, signed our waivers. They told us what to expect, and we went for about a oh, about an hour and a half drive through the mountains of uh, Alaska in a four wheel drive jeep. They gave you enough spots to sit there and switch drivers. They they put four of us in it, so it was my wife and I and our two adult kids. So, um, you know, three of us got to got to drive. Uh, one that didn't want to was, you know, was fine with that. And, you know, up and down the, the mountains uh, through some uh, uh, water and, you know, just, just a good, good time. And um, the scenery wasn't, you know, it was a little bit foggy because of all the rain. 
but hey, you're in, you're in the middle of a rainforest and that you can't get about the most rainfall in the United States that, that you can get. So, you know, it was basically a typical uh, Alaskan day and it was beautiful. I mean, despite the rain, despite the cold, we had a, we had a good time. Did you see any bears? We did not see any bears. Um, everybody kept on saying it was a little bit early in, mm-hmm. in the year. For bears. Did see bald eagles, though. Your next quarter call was Juno. How was your day there? Juno was great. Um, we Again, we, we booked uh, a uh, Mendenhall Glacier um, and whale watching. We originally had the uh, salmon bake on that, but um, we got notified on the ship that that, that was canceled. Um, they had some uh, some health issues with that tour, so... We uh, ended up rebooking, just doing the Mendenhall Glacier and the whale watching. Uh, and I tell you what, it, wonderful time. Uh, my mom and sister went with us. They had also been whale watching in Ketchikan and did a did a excursion down there. They didn't get to see any whales, but uh, the tour pro- provider in Juneau guarantees uh, whale sightings, or they'll give you back a good portion of your of your uh, um, excursion fee and. They did not disappoint. We saw, you know, we saw whales, probably four different ones at least, but kept on seeing seeing them everywhere. Um, from it was it was beautiful. Some sea lions, um, Mendenhall Glacier. It's not a it's not a guided tour. They just drop you off at the at the front door basically, and you, you have about forty five minutes to enjoy the glacier. So um, we didn't get the chance to walk all the way down to, I believe it's Nugget Falls that we wanted mm-hmm. to, but we were still able to see plenty of it. And just, you know what, makes me want to go back and be able to spend a little bit more time there. It's just a, a beautiful, beautiful spot. Yeah. How about Skagway? How was that? Skagway was was probably my favorite port. Um, Skagway... Um, my my sister and my my sons we we did um, uh, Grizzly Falls zip lining, um, so they we took a took a bus, probably about a half hour bus ride to the to the falls, and uh, they took us up a an old German uh, um, army vehicle army vehicle up the mountain four wheel drive vehicle up the mountain, got off and you know gave you your safety training, got you all geared up and ready to go. The staff there was amazing, um, you know, and then we broke up into, into a couple different groups. Um, basically, it was since there was four of us, we ended up getting paired with another couple that was on our on our excursion. And um, I think they have about 12, 13 different zip lines that you do and over some waterfalls through just through the, the rainforest there. Just just beautiful. And they would try to give you a little bit of education around the area and about things. And uh, they kept on talking about um, a local brewery, uh, the Skyway Brewing Company that brews a uh, spruce pine uh, lager beer. And, you know, they basically sold us on that. So after we got done zip lining and doing the uh, White Pass uh, Yukon Railroad, we ended up walking down to Skyway Brewing Company and had to try some of that um, spruce beer that they talked up so much and they they did not lie about that like i said we did that white pass train ride that was another beautiful adventure just amazing how basically no snow on the ground when you're leaving the cruise ships and get up into the mountains and there's you know snow all around you where it's like you wonder does this stuff ever melt but you know it's just just a beautiful beautiful excursion and just makes you think 
about the, the ones that sat there and made that trek to look for gold up those mountains on their own. The White Pass, it goes into Canada, right? It does. The excursions that sit there and take you up further into Canada where you get off the train were, were no longer we're running this year. Mm-hmm. So all we did was a loop around. So we were in British Columbia for about maybe five minutes while the train just made a, a loop around and then back down the mountain. So you didn't have to like do any kind of passport process? Not not with what's going on right now. Before COVID, mm-hmm. that went further in, you have to have your passport with you. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. And then your last port of call was Victoria, which is normally a shortened, abbreviated call. How many hours did you spend there, and did you do anything off the ship? We spent four hours there. Our port of call was from 7 at night to 11, um, and we didn't really have anything planned. We were going to sit there and play that one by ear. I feel sorry for my wife. My wife was looking so forward to getting to downtown Victoria, what we were doing there, walking around, um, pushing my mom around in her wheelchair. I just didn't feel I was up to walking all the way into downtown. And so we ended up kind of just going, there's like a little peninsula that goes out to a lighthouse that was beyond the other cruise ship that was in port with us. Can't remember what the name of of that was. It's just like a little break wall. Walked on that causeway out there and then came back and we went to the um, fisherman's wharf walked around that a little bit i was like i can't make it to downtown we ended up going back to the ship and um just enjoyed the rest of the the evening on the ship how were the days when you were doing the scenic cruising like through the glaciers we did one glacier and it was just we couldn't even make it all the way to the glacier it just left in my mind like if what i'm seeing this far away from the glacier i would say we were probably a good distance from the glacier because we could the glacier we were going to we couldn't even see it from the ship like some some cruises they'll show you that hey it's down there you can see it but you just don't get close to it just the beauty of seeing some of the the um, icebergs floating through through the the sea there and um, we did see one whale from our balcony we just saw the the spout from it not we never saw it break the surface of the water but just the, the beauty that's that's there it, it's just breathtaking and i've seen beautiful scenery in, in this world and, and i tell you what it's just it's just different it's just i enjoy the mountains but yet what you experience in alaska is just you know one step two steps above anything that that i've really experienced and you make your way back to the port of seattle for debark how was that process for y'all princess they may they have a provision that we took advantage of. We've seen this on, on Royal, but back then Royal, I think, had a little upcharge for it, so we didn't take advantage of it. But with Princess, it was like, hey, if you have a flight out of, out and you're on this airline, this airline, or this airline, you can sit there and request having your bag tags, and we'll provide them for you. We put them on, and you don't have to touch your luggage until you get to your home airport. Hmm. And the, the thing that caught my mind, my eye was it was free and it also didn't they didn't weigh your bag so the 50 pound bag limit wasn't mm-hmm. an issue so i didn't have to get out my little scale weighing, weighing my bags mm-hmm. and being like well this one's 53 pounds i gotta get this one down where am i gonna put you know put the souvenirs you know they charge you if your airline charges you for your bag you get charged for we had between the four of us that was on our flight that was on my tickets we had six bags so with my airline card, we were allowed four bags free, so we only had to pay for, for two bags, which, you know, that's that's not bad. That made the 
disembarkation a lot simpler than than trying to get the bags off and do customs. Got off. We had our time that we were supposed to get off the ship. It was it was good. Went through customs. Basically, it was welcome back home, and that was it. No questions, no nothing. We just had our carry-on bags for for the airplane. Um, we were planning on Uber, um, but then uh, somebody with a they call it a town car, but basically it was a big suburban. Said, hey, do you need a do you need a ride to the airport? He charged us eighty bucks. Um, all six of us got in. It was simple. It was probably the easiest disembarkation that we've had. You mentioned you had to pay for two of your checked bags using the baggage forwarding service. Did yes. So I guess I'm curious, how did the airline or how did Princess know that you paid for those two bags? Like you weren't concerned about the two bags getting there and being like, no, but I paid for those. Why? Well, it asked you on there how many bags each person has. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, so I put it down for, for me that I had two. My wife had one, you know, et cetera. Um, and then it says, are you expecting any of these bags to be free and how many? Okay. And I put, Got it. I have an Alaska airline credit card. Four of my bags should be free. Alaska airlines ties it to mine has my credit card number and I got, that's how I got charged for my bag. Gotcha. Okay. So they, they actually straight up ask you how many do you get free with your um, loyalty or status or credit card? Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Any first time tips to offer anyone either sailing discovery princess or sailing through Alaska? My wife was basically doing this trip as basically a favor to my son and, and myself and for her to be able to enjoy a, a brand new princess ship. Um, when we got done, she was like, wow, that was great. I'd like to do it again. I would just sit there and say, don't, even if you feel that, you know what, I am a beach goer. I love the beach. Don't discount doing an Alaskan cruise because it is, it's amazing. Um, I would recommend trying to get a direct flight into Seattle. Um, it was, I was glad that for the Pittsburgh and the Cleveland market, we're right in between both of them. They have nonstop service to Seattle, a lot simpler than doing trying to make flights and layovers and all that. If you've never been to Seattle, give yourself a couple of days in Seattle. Enjoy it. It's, it's, it's a beautiful city. It, it was wonderful. I'm glad we went three days early. My wife and I stayed at the uh, Thompson Hotel, which is right at Pike's Place Market. Um, if you're doing a cruise, I probably wouldn't recommend that hotel. That hotel is great. And if I was staying in, a, in Seattle, I would go there in a heartbeat. Um, but with having luggage for a seven-day cruise, they don't, the room wasn't as big as, as what my mom and my sisters was at the Hyatt Regency. And just, you know, getting around from the airport to the port is a little bit more difficult than, let's say, in Miami. In Miami, you know, you, it, it's pretty simple. It's, it's easy to get, get there. It's a little bit more. you got to do a little bit of research. And uh, we rented a car, rented a car at the Seattle airport. Alamo has a drop-off, and so does Enterprise and National on Third Avenue, which is right there by Pike's Place. And there was really no upcharge for that. So we were able to drop off the car in downtown Seattle on Sunday. I walked back to Hyatt Regency where all our luggage was, and we took Ubers from there. Just beautiful, beautiful uh, vacation and hope to be able to to go back someday. Definitely the Princess ship, it's a must-do. It was nice every day except for the last sea day for, for my wife and I, you know, we're it seemed like 
we were shutting down down the ship and you know we, we were going to bed until 11 30 12 o'clock anyways but it wasn't like on some of the ships where it's just constantly you know everybody's still out it was kind of nice being able to very relaxing times. Uh, the last sea day, a lot of people were out because the next day everybody got to sleep in a little bit. But, you know, definitely a vacation that I'm glad I was able to experience. Everything that we did, exclusion-wise, I would do again. Um, you know, it would be hard to sit there and say, well, you know what, I wouldn't do that. I would love to spend more time at Mendenhall Glacier. You know, if you're not really, you know, if you're like, ah, I don't know if I really want to see whales, do an excursion that takes you to Mendenhall Glacier that lets you spend all day there if you like to hike. There's plenty of trails to go around there and just to see the beauty that, that's been given to us. Yeah, for sure. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? I would have to sit there and say our day at Skagway. The weather was beautiful. It was in the 60s. You know, I was able to basically, I ran around in a, in a T-shirt and a long sleeve shirt just for layers. Of, you know, for, for me, from you know, catch a can, I had probably six different layers on, gloves on, and I was still freezing from the rain. So anyway, just because of the weather and what we did, zip lining was beautiful. The, the scenic railroad was amazing. And then just being able to go to, a, we like going to local breweries and being able to experience that. Um, it, that was a beautiful day. Um, and just, you know, being able to, to experience something with, you know, unfortunately my, my one son wasn't able to go, my daughter-in-law and our grandkids but, you know, like being able to experience that with my mom and my sister and uh, two of our sons and, and my wife, it was, it was a good time. When closing here, your final thoughts of Discovery Princess. For all the expectations that we had, um, they were met and exceeded. Um, like, again, I, I mentioned about I don't know what it was like cruising on Princess before the pandemic. But I tell you what, if it gets better then. It goes from being A-plus to A-plus-plus plus or triple-A. We've been talking with Matt about his seven-night cruise on Discovery Princess. Matt, my friend, good talking to you. Welcome home, and can't wait to talk to you about your next one. Sounds good, Doug. Thanks for your time. Doug, what, what do you have it set on? Is it on uh, dynamic or? And this is, oh, oh, boy. Oh, wow. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.